to She Who Overcomes, the podcast where we help you transform your life, leadership, and career. I'm Mandy B. Anderson. And I'm Rachel Perman, and we are your hosts. We believe that what you've overcome makes you a leader. With a little help from two experienced coaches, that's us, you'll find the clarity and direction that you need to rise up, lead well, and live with intention. You were born to be an overcomer. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. All right, Overcomers, welcome to another episode of the She Who Overcomes podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today, a very new friend of mine from Texas. I want to welcome Sabrina Walker Hernandez to the show. Thanks for hanging out with me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about our conversation. I am too. We've we've already been having a conversation before we hit hit record, and so I can tell that this is going to be this is going to be good for good. people. So, um, can you tell a little bit? Um, tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that you do. Just briefly, we'll get into the whole nuts and bolts of the story, but what your company is and what you do. So what my company is, is called Supporting World Hope. And what I do is I help small nonprofits um, raise more money by building relationships, basically retaining the current donors that they have and building those relationships. Um, Not grant writing, for God's sake, it's not grant writing. (laughs) Individuals and building relationships. Awesome. And and when we dive into how you got started, I know that's going to be really, um, really helpful to people. And I think even from the standpoint of listeners who want to advocate more and get more into philanthropy, I mean, it's good to, to have these connections. So I'm excited to dive into that. I ask every single um, every single guest one question to kind of kick off the show and share your personality a little bit. And that question is, if you were a shoe, what would you be and what story does that tell about you? Well, if I was a shoe, I, 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 I like this question. Um, I would be my favorite shoe because, you know, once you get to a certain age, you can't really wear the heels like you want to. But it's something about those wedges that kind of still gives you that you know, elongated calf, you know, you, you still feel, you st- I still feel sexy in my wedges, although I haven't <laughs> worn any wedges or heels since March. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know how to walk anymore. It's all been stretch pants and, 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 uh, Crocs. <laughs> oh, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> it's always been that, but you know what? I, I like wedges. Um, they're high like heels. They're very comfortable for me. Um, you get to elongate your legs, like I said, but you don't have that soreness, you mm-hmm. know, from, from, from the, from the heel of those high heels. And I, I would say that kind of reflects me because I excel at what I do. I make people or I don't make people around me feel uncomfortable like heels um, and I can actually work, you know, with people all day, just like a wedge. You know, uh-huh. you're working those all day. I remember trucking up and down the hallways and and the paths when I would have my wedges on and I didn't have to take them off. So I don't think my personality is such that. I'm too much, but I think I'm just <laughs> right. So that's why I always pick the wedge. I love that definition. I had to chuckle when you said it because you're like, people can work with me without <laughs> taking me off. I'm like, what a great metaphor. This is awesome. And I think I am reaching that age where I, I can't wear the heels. People had told me that like in my early 20s and I, I didn't believe them. 
And I can't wear them like I used to. I have now that we moved to a new, like an, a small office space outside of our home, I am getting dressed and doing my makeup and not just living in the sweatpants. Um, and so it's been fun to pull out my heels, but I'm out of practice. You can get out of practice. And I looked at my, you can. The- my balance said, is off. I don't even know if I can walk in heels. Like I have no idea anymore. So <laughs> Right. That's that's one of the downfalls, I think, of the pandemic and quarantining and all yeah, of this. Yeah, and, and the other part is the stretch pants, but well, that's a whole another conversation. Right. <laughs> yes, that is that is a thing. It's it's a good and bad thing, yeah. right? But um your story, I think, is so inspiring because the reason that you started your company in the first place stems not only from your experience in um, in the nonprofit world, but also from your personal experience yeah. in life. Yeah, right? my personal experience in life. You know, I have been in the nonprofit world for over 25 years and I really, I really love it. It goes back to my childhood. You know, my mom was a missionary in church and she did. She was that person who organized all the community stuff. And, and I just... I just gravitated towards that. And I didn't know that, you know, your parents impacting, you don't know that growing up. And so when I went off to college, it was, I was going to be an attorney. That was what I was going to be. No one could tell me anything different. And I majored in pre-law and I did all that. And then I did an internship with a nonprofit organization called Avacy Resource Center for Housing. And um, I mediated between landlords, kind of for your background, I mediated between landlords and tenants um, that were getting put out and things like that. And I got to work, long story short, I got to work with a lot of attorneys and I realized I don't want to be one of them, you know, because Mm -hmm. uh, being a lawyer and attorney is not a good or bad thing, but there's no right or wrong. There's the law. And I thought, yeah, that's not what I want to do. But I fell in love with the nonprofit world. And Mm -hmm. so I changed my major, got a grad degree in public administration and have been in the nonprofit world since then. So it really is who I am. And in 2018, um, I got diagnosed with cancer and it wasn't one cancer. It was two cancers, which I didn't even know that you can get two cancers at the same time. I had, I didn't know that either. Yeah. So it was a shocker to me. Mm -hmm. It really was a shocker to me. And not only was it two cancers, it was two cancers that only 1% of the population gets diagnosed with at one time. Wow! So it was like, okay, Lord, what are you trying to, what are you trying to teach me? What are are we trying to say? Um, And so I got those cancers and you, when you get cancer, you, you kind of start examining your life. You kind of start looking at, okay, you look at your stress levels, you look at your obesity, you look at what you eat, you look at all those things, just trying to figure out, well, why, well, you know, the why of it. Mm-hmm. And my husband um, running a nonprofit and especially being a CEO or executive director of a nonprofit it is stressful. Um, especially if you're in a growing phase and you are, you're in a growing phase and not only are you in a growing phase, if your personality is such that you're a type A, 
You're going to give it in there. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to give it everything that you have, you know, whatever you start, you're going to give it everything you have. Right. And so Mm -hmm. in giving it everything that I had, sometimes I was there at eight o'clock in the morning and I didn't leave till 10 o'clock at night. You know, it, I was always, always working. And so my husband's like, I know it was the stress of the job. I know it was a stress of the job. And so you know, around that third chemo, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get really weak and you get kind of like, I'm tired of arguing, not, not arguing because he wasn't arguing. He was just trying to figure out the why. But you kind of mm-hmm. you get a mental weakness. And so at that time, he knew it was time to strike. You need to retire is what he said. And I was like, OK, <laughs> so but as soon as I said, OK, it just didn't sit right with my soul. Because I love nonprofit work. I love getting up, making the world a better place. I love doing what I do. And I also thought, okay, I don't want other people to kind of fall in this situation. Um, because there's, mm-hmm. I, I think I checked the other, there, the, the, the other day, there's over a million nonprofits just in the United States alone. Wow. And that's a lot of that's a lot, a lot of people, a lot of impact, uh, a, a lot. And so that, that means there's a lot of people out there kind of struggling and trying to balance. And you don't when you don't do that right, you will get sick, whether it is cancer, whether it is diabetes, whether you will get sick. Mm-hmm. And so I thought as I as I laid there, I was like, OK. I'm going to start a company (laughs) and I'm going to help them. (laughs) I am going, I have too much knowledge in my head to just let this go away. Mm -hmm. And it really was a, it wasn't even about the knowledge in my head. If I'm very clear about it, it was more of a selfish thought. It was like the selfish thought was I love helping people. And if I don't get to Mm -hmm. do that, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And it's what it is. It makes me feel good. So that's the selfish part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as I laid there, I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I knew I had to ease my husband into it. And so when you're going through the Mm -hmm. chemo treatment, I went through like 10 months of chemo. um, And it ended with a stem cell transplant. And stem cell transplant is where they you are in the hospital for like 30 days with no visitors, no outside contact, none of that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to use my stem cell transplant time when I'm isolated, you know, to kind of launch it, do my business plan, do this. And that's what I did. And that kept me going through the 30 days of being isolated. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I was wearing a mask before it was cool, honey. Oh, I was too, girl, because I mean, in the CF world, we we have to, especially if we're around other Mm -hmm. CF patients, because we can pass bacteria to each other that... Um, could mean the difference between life and death. And I think it's, I have to chuckle though, because I think if you've never been in the hospital for a long period of time, you don't realize how much time you have available Mm -hmm. to do things. Like if you're not, if you're not so worn out that you have to rest 
the, most of the time, there's a lot of dead space as far as like nobody coming to check on you. Maybe you don't have b- the best channels TV. on TV or there's nothing on TV at that time of day. Like there are long periods of time where there is nothing to do. And I am the same way. I have had times where I'm in the hospital and I'm like, I'm going to write this book during that time or I'm going to design this graphic, you know, design in this workbook and get so much stuff done. And you, you yeah. do. But it's it's great to meet another person who uses their their time in the hospital. Yes, like I mean what what you, you, I mean there are other alternatives, but I think it's the most there productive are. use of your time, right? Okay, so are you so so that's because we're probably two type right. A personalities who are looking at our time a little bit differently, right? right? <laughs> I think so too. But you know, it was yes. it was great to me. It was great. I was like, okay. I got 30 days. I'm going to knock this uh-huh. out and this is going to be good. And I built a website. I did a business plan. Uh-huh. I was like, I started scheduling my social media, set up my Facebook page and started going mm-hmm. on, like listening to business podcasts and, you know, just, it was great to me. It was great. <laughs> yep. So it, it was, it was your way, like you were quarantined from the rest of the world. So what else were you going to exactly. do? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I felt productive, you know, Yeah, I felt very productive. So I, I, you know, it's just like you said, it's how you use your time. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. it keeps your brain away from focusing on the why you're there too. It does. It it really, it really does. Because, um, you know, for me, everybody's different. I don't want to focus on the negative. I rather focus on the Mm -hmm. positive. So even if you're there for whatever reason, yeah, you might look, you might be in some pain, Mm -hmm. but you have that nurse right outside the door who will come in and help you. Right. Um, So I like to focus on the positive. Let's just say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and I think um, you bring up such a great point because there is this need that I think every human being has that I believe it was put there um, by our creator. And, and that's that need to, um, to feel like your life matters and you have something to contribute to other people um, and that you can feel like you matter. Not just like, oh, I know what I want to do matters, but me as an individual, I matter. And that can be really hard to lose, like really easy to lose sight of when you are dealing with illness, Um, especially if you keep stewing and trying to figure out the why. I think I have found I have to sometimes create a why. Like, like, um, make it matter. Like, okay, well, why I'm here doesn't matter anymore. Like how I got here and why I got here, but why I can use this to help other people in the future. That's, that's what I like to focus on and hearing your story. I think that's what you did. Like you focused on, well, I don't know why I got here. Like, I don't know what maybe contributed to the sickness part of it, but I'm going to for sure create my why of coming out of it. Yes. And what I'm going to do with it coming out. Yes. And what am I going to do with it coming out of it? Because that was one of the questions that I kept asking God. I kept saying, okay, I I didn't ask the, why did I get this? Because Mm -hmm. the, why did I get this is why not? You're not special. You know, there are people Mm -hmm. out here that are diagnosed every day that are struggling every day with some type of of health. Mm -hmm. So you're not exempt. So no one is exempt. And so the why me was never a question. Um, Why not me? I'm not special. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was more, what was the lesson? I kept saying, okay, 
this is happening. What is the lesson that I'm, I'm supposed to learn? For mm-hmm. me, that was a bigger question yep. um, than anything. Um, it was, okay, what is the lesson? What is the lesson? What is the lesson? And I, I feel that the lesson was for me to, first of all, slow down, right? And the second part of it was to live in your purpose, Mm-hmm. And if your purpose is to help those around you, there's multiple ways to help mm-hmm. people around you. And just because you have been doing it in direct services for 25 years does not mean that that is the way you can continue. You, I actually feel like now I'm having a bigger impact mm-hmm. um, on the world because some of the clients that I have, I, I'm getting to work with people um, in areas that I didn't know about, you know, like mm-hmm. homelessness. I mean, I knew we know what homelessness is in general, right? Right. We all know that. But to really find out and to really dive into, you know, why people are homeless and what it takes to serve the homeless mm-hmm. um, has been very interesting. I have um, clients that work with um, first time uh, graduating first first generation graduates mm-hmm. um i have clients that work with uh, battered women so it's the impact and the other part is i have a lot of people you know th- this world that we live in is so global mm-hmm. because of technology and, and and i guess also not because of pandemic but it's been become more prevalent during the pandemic, I get a lot of clients and a lot of people asking me for help from England, from Africa, mm-hmm. from Canada, all these people that I would have never had mm-hmm. contact with. And at first I was very nervous about it because <laughs> yep. I was like, hmm, I understand the social sector in the United States, mm-hmm. but is it different raising money in another country? Is it different? And I, that really, that really, I really question that, but it's not different. It's all about building relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was, that was very eye opening Mm -hmm. um, for me because I really did get in my own head and was kind of intimidated by, can I really help someone in England? Can I really help someone in Africa? You know, but you follow the principles and they work Mm -hmm. globally. So I've been very fortunate to kind of realize that. Because um, that was one of my questions as well. Like, does what I do, does it really work on a global scale? And it really Mm -hmm. does. So I think that's awesome. And I think that's encouraging to other people because I think there's a lot of things um, that do work on a global scale if you factor in people connection part. If you take that out, you're going to have some challenges because then you're going to be focusing on all the differences. But when you keep people as the main factor and the main mission of connecting people, I think, I think it works more on a global scale than we realize. It really, it really does. And I I can tell you, I was shocked by that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I was shocked by that, but I was shocked by it. And now it's just like, just Tell people what you know. Just mm-hmm. teach what you know. It works and just mm-hmm. move forward with it. So I, that was exciting. And it's exciting just to get to know people all around, mm-hmm. all around the, the world. And and also, I, I like it because for me, um, 
<laughs> you know, I, I don't know if you ever sat down and said, okay, here are my problems, right? And let's yep. imagine that you say, here's what I'm dealing with. And I say, here's what I'm dealing with. And I think at the end of that conversation, we'll probably all take back our own problems. <laughs> Just like, oh yeah, you know what? You keep yep. yours. I'll keep mine. We're good. Yep. <laughs> we just kind of lay it all out. Um, so I, I like that aspect of it too, because um, everybody has problems. Every single person on this earth has a problem or issue or something that they're dealing with. And your issue and what you're dealing with is yours. And if you mm-hmm. had that opportunity to really discuss with other people, I have found myself saying, you know what? I'll keep my problems. I know how to right. deal with those. Yeah, I got this. You keep yours. So mm-hmm. I think that's interesting as well. It is. I think I have learned to be careful what I pray for. I think because I was born into the world of cystic fibrosis, I kind of used to think, oh, I'm never going to have any other problems other than cystic fibrosis. And that was super wrong um, because we found ourselves um, as as victims of, a, of an apartment fire. So we lost everything and had to rebuild our lives. And I was not prepared for the amount of trauma that would cause in my life because it rocked my foundation of security. And um, I remember thinking before that happened, um, I had heard this speaker at some some prayer breakfast one time, and this was probably over a decade ago. And she was telling this story about a time in her life where she went through depression and she had a hard time even getting dressed and like living out a day other than being in bed. And she talked about how she had this, her best friend would come over and make sure that she got dressed and kind of take care of her during this season and help encourage her and, you know, help her get back on her feet. And I, I remember sitting in the audience thinking, gosh, I wish I had that. Hmm. And then the fire happens. And because of some of the other choices I had made in my life um, of not doing my medication, I found myself in this season where I was going through a lot of trauma and anxiety and panic and depression. And all of a sudden I had a best friend who was coming to my house and helping me make sure I, you know, get out of my dirty bathrobe. And I think it's funny because you have to realize, like, be careful what you pray for, because you might, you might find that if you're wishing for somebody else's problems, you may get a chance to experience them. Yeah, yeah, you know what? And that's true. And when you just said that, that triggers something in my head, because prior to getting cancer, What I was questioning was if I had faith like Job. I was having these conversations with God because I was thinking in my head, you know, Sabrina, you really haven't had any like major issues happen in your life. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, what I consider major issues, um, you you know, both your parents are still alive. All your siblings are alive. Your kids are healthy. Um, you know, yes, your grandparents passed away, but that's the natural order of things. Right. Um, and you know, you're married. So if you're married, you're going to have some issues, right? right? (laughs) But but nothing really Mm -hmm. major. And so I was actually having these conversations like, okay, do I have faith like Job? You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know why I was having these conversations with myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was having these thoughts to my, with, um, to myself. And so be careful what you pray for, because that diagnosis for me really Mm -hmm. was, it really was, okay, here's your test. 
You know, yep. do you have faith because you have faith because you grew up in this, you know, system mm-hmm. yep. that says, you know, your mama was a missionary, your grandma was an evangelist, and yep. faith is just what you are because you grew up in it? Mm-hmm. Or do you have faith b- because you know and you have that personal relationship with, with yep. God? So which is it? And mm-hmm. so I think that's another part of what was I supposed to learn Yeah, that I do have. I can say after this journey that I do have a personal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. You know, it it is my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not it is not because that's the way we grew up and we went to church every Sunday or that's because my mama taught me that way Mm -hmm. or, you know, no, no, this is he was with me Mm -hmm. in this crisis and he continues to be with me. And the other thing is one of the, my, my husband and I are so different in how we look at crises and how we Mm -hmm. deal with crises. Um, For me, again, like I said, I wasn't, I was not, I didn't go through the why me phase because why not me? Right. And because I guess, because also of how I was raised in the church, I always knew you know, one of the, I guess the core message, I grew up Pentecostal. Let's start okay. there. So you well, know what so that did means. I. So we okay. are in good company. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you know what that means. Yep. Trials Trials and I totally know. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Trials yep. and tribulations. You, God doesn't promise you Did you, you wave smoothness. the flags? Were you a flag waver? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't, <laughs> but I saw it and I, but I, I was a, I was singer. So I was always on the worship team, but I was ah, not a flag. Okay. Yeah. Agent. You do the flag and yep. the dance and the, uh, all of that stuff. And I was in the choir too. Yep. So, but you know, when you're Pentecostal in my Pentecostal church, it was never life is going to always be smooth. It was Mm -hmm. always life is going to be trials and tribulations, right? Mm -hmm. That God never promised you a smooth life, but what you know is going to happen is going to be trials and tribulations. And so I understood that trials and tribulations were going to happen. And this was one of, this was one of my trials and one of my tribulations. And Mm -hmm. I was okay with that and and going through that. Um, So that part was, I was fine with it. What, what the anxiety for me, um, and one of the things that, I guess one of the scriptures that really helped me um, was, or one of the stories, let's just go with a story that helps mm-hmm. me, is, um, I don't know if you remember in the Bible where Jesus and the disciples are on the boat, mm-hmm. and there's a storm, Yep. And Jesus sleep on the boat and then the disciples are freaking out because mm-hmm. there's a storm and then he wakes up and he's like, be peace, be still, you know, be still. That story mm-hmm. carried me through a year of chemo mm-hmm. because what I did, I said, you know what? Every time I felt some anxiety, every time I felt like uh, trying to fall into a depression or anything like that, I would say, get in the boat with Jesus. Mm. Get in the boat with Jesus. Oh, that is, that is good. And I would get in that boat mm-hmm. and I would rock myself to sleep. Mm-hmm. The waves, being in his arms. If yes. he's not worried, I'm not worried. Mm-hmm. Just get in the boat with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that carried me through so many nights of anxiety of not being able to fall asleep. You know, when your mind yep. starts to mm-hmm. run and you can't control it and all that. I was just like, I don't know if it's meditation. I don't know what it is, uh-huh. <laughs> but it's like, get in the boat yep. with Jesus and just rock yourself to sleep. Get in mm-hmm. his arms. If he's not worried, 
you should not be worried as well. This too will come to an end. I had no idea we would be preaching on podcast today. I love this. And and you, you had you had um kind of I have all of my podcast guests answer questions so we kind of know what the story is and which direction can we go. And one of the lines that you had sent in this questionnaire was it was a crisis of faith. And I just decided that's going to be the title of this podcast episode. Um, But I I think that's so, um, it's such a necessary line because I don't think that people realize it's okay if you have a crisis in faith. Like, I think sometimes we feel as though we are doing something wrong if we start questioning the size of our faith, questioning the strength of our faith, questioning all of it and God can handle that. And I think when you when you talk about like finding your purpose and learning this lesson of getting in the boat with Jesus, which side you know little side note a lot of times we hear get out of the boat with Jesus, right? Like get out of the boat and walk on water. Yeah. But, I'm getting in the boat. <laughs> right? I'm we, asleep. <laughs> we, we barely ever hear the, the flip side of that, of get in the boat and just trust. Yes. Like trust that you're going to be okay in the boat, that you yeah. don't have to take this big giant leap of walking on water to show faith. Right. And and this is speaking to me right now, Sabrina. Like, get in the boat with Jesus and just have faith that it's he he's gonna be fine. He's got it's you. Be fine. He's got you. It's gonna be fine. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fine. And so that's you know, I just when you talk about the crises of faith, let me give you a little bit of background on that mm-hmm. too. So the so if I if you remember, I started off saying I got diagnosed with two cancers. Yep. Well, one of them was um, a Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm-hmm. which is very curable. And I was like, okay, I, I, if I'm going to have a cancer, that's yep. a good one to have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second one was multiple myeloma. Now, multiple myeloma, um, there is no cure for multiple myeloma. So, and my grandmother passed away from multiple myeloma. Okay. And so when I first got to the doctor and I got my diagnosis, they said, you have lymphoma. And I was like, okay, I'm good. We can get through this, researched it. I'm, I'm good. And I had um, a couple of visits. And then on one of the visits, I had a substitute doctor and he started reading my chart and he said, okay, your lymphoma is responding to the chemo and everything looks good. And then he said, and your myeloma is, it's also, and I was like, hold up, I I don't have myeloma. It's not, it's not, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And he looked back at the chart and he was like, well, yes, you do. You you have two cancers and, and this is it. And for me in that moment, I, I crashed. There's no other way around it. You know, I, you know, I I had been in my head patting myself on my back. You know, you got cancer, you, you, you and God, y'all still good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's all good. You get in the boat with Jesus every night. You're, you're mm-hmm. good. Your faith is good. Um, but as soon as he said my Loma, mm-hmm. I could not control the tears. I could not control the panic mm-hmm. because like I said, my grandmother died from multiple myeloma Mm -hmm. and I know there's no cure. There is no cure for multiple myeloma. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, 
it was not a why not me. That wasn't it. It was, oh my God, what is going to happen to yep. me? Yeah. Um, more, more so because I could see, I'm, I don't know how everybody else is, but for me, and I'm sure there's other people out there, I can endure anything as long as I know there's a finish line. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so with lymphoma, there was a finish line. You're going to mm-hmm. go through this chemo. It's going to go in remission. There's a finish line mm-hmm. with multiple myeloma. There's no finish line. Um, the finish line is basically you're going to be on chemo for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no cure. And that's your finish. Th- that's mm-hmm. your finish line. Um, perhaps science will catch up with where you are. Mm-hmm. And I'm OK with that now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a crisis in, yes. in faith. And so as I sit here today, I am on 21 days of chemo every month. Mm-hmm. So I only get seven days off. Uh-huh. Um, and then I, I am at the point where the stem cell transplant actually in addressing multiple myeloma is a recent, um, a recent phenomenon. Okay. Um, five years ago, it wasn't an option. Actually, mm-hmm. the, the doctor who who developed that process um, was at MD Anderson where I got my treatment and he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2018, really? the year that okay. I got diagnosed. So that's good. And so I tell myself all the time, science will catch up to me. People are like, why are you mm-hmm. not worried about this? I'm like, science will catch up with <laughs> catch up right. to me. When my grandmother died, it was a uh, they only gave you when you first initially got diagnosed with multiple myeloma, they only gave you like a five year window to okay. live. Okay. Um, and now, you know, my my doctor tells me it's like having <laughs> he tries to make me feel good. He's <laughs> like, it's like having diabetes. Keep doing your chemo pill, you know, keep doing all the things, work out, do this, do that. You can live with it, is what he says now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll look at it like diabetes mm-hmm. <laughs> on my head. Yep. Um, but whatever gets you through the day. Um, but it, you know, I'm not the fear is not. The, the fear is not so overwhelming anymore as it was in that first moment mm-hmm. that I heard that doctor say, yeah, you do have multiple myeloma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chastised myself in that moment. I chastised myself like 10, 15, 20 minutes after it happens, like, girl, like, you know, you were patting yourself on the back and then yep. all you had to do is hear that. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Doubting, doubting God, doubting this, doubting. Yep. Like you should really be a. Sh- I thought you should really be ashamed of yourself, <laughs> you know. But you know, you reconcile. Everybody deals with things differently. Mm-hmm. Everyone deals with things differently, and it's okay to be shaken. It is okay mm-hmm. um, to to question. Um, I, I I feel like it's okay to question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also feel like that even if you are questioning, you also at the same time understand that there is a path that you're on. Yep. Um, that has been predetermined mm-hmm. um, for you, um, but it is OK to question. I don't think like you said, I don't think that God gets offended by your question. Um, and I think because, you know, it's only been recently like in the past five years or so, that the idea of um, 
having the right resources for mental health um, is a good thing. Like, I think there was a time where it was, it was a shameful thing or it was a confusing thing or not something that the majority of people believed was effective or needed. And I think when you look at this, like, questioning is an effective part of therapy. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a way to gain perspective of what you're going through. And I wonder, like, I I get really into different personality types Mm -hmm. and all kinds of different things like that. And as we were talking about this and you're sharing this story and realizing that we're both kind of this type A personality, like, I wonder if type A personalities have a harder time with this because it doesn't seem productive to question and process right? Like you don't get this, you don't get this instant gratification of a job well done. Right. Because a lot of times you get more questions. You get more questions. <laughs> yeah, you really do. And I want, I, I don't know. I never thought about that. I, I haven't thought about that from a, from a personality uh, standpoint, but it would be fascinating. It would be, it would be fascinating. I don't know. I just know that at one point, um, I guess with my personality too, and I think I share with you, I can't remember it was on or off, but I'll share it again. <laughs> you know, that lack of control of your situation when you uh-huh. are who you are. Sometimes my reaction is to sleep through it. Yep. And I remember my brother-in-law going, you can't, you can't sleep through cancer, darling. You got to get up. You got to get up just because you don't control the situation. Yeah. Does not mean you can sleep through it. Right. And I thought, okay, I'll get up. Cause I was using, you know, chemo makes you tired. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does. It drains you. It makes you tired. That was my excuse. I'm just going to yep. lay here because I'm tired. And it wasn't because I was tired. It was because I was not in control. Mm-hmm. And because yep. the lack of control of what was happening to me, I thought I'm going to sleep through it. And when I wake up, everything is going to be all right. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, and everybody and reacts differently. <laughs> yeah, we all we all, all have different ways of handling trauma and crisis. And I'm the same way. Like I will I get very tired and run down to when when there's a lot of stress in life. I think I think sometimes it can be an excuse because we've gotten into a rut. Mm-hmm. And I think other times it is legit our response to stress. It's just how we are physically and emotionally and mentally responding to stress. And it can be a sign that we need to change something or maybe, you know, set aside some time to rest a little bit more intentionally. Um, but I, I think it's fascinating. And and maybe we end with this today. You had mentioned that um, you, you can get over anything if like you can hang on for anything if there's an end date in sight, but there was no end date for you. And I, I couldn't help but think about how that's really how so many people are feeling with the pandemic is yes. there's no end date. There's no end date. Right. And, and even I, I have heard other podcast um, shows talk about this. I have read articles about this. I've had this conversation with my counselor, like pandemic fatigue is a real thing. And, and I think we can kind of feel like, oh my gosh, my faith is in crisis because I'm so tired and all of this. But sometimes what's really happening is we are just fatigued from what's, from the reality of where we are at right now in history. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And you know why, you know why that's such a, uh, here's some, a little proof for you. So imagine at the end of 2020, right? We were all mm-hmm. saying, oh my God, 2020 is going to be over. And this yes. is going to be, this is it. I can't wait for 2021. Yep. And because it was an end for us, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> and then we get to 2021. We're like, okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that mental exhaustion. It yeah. was like the finish line was 
2020. Mm -hmm. Why is this still happening? Um, And we there's no finish line. And so, yes, there is a fatigue that comes along with just the time that we're living Mm -hmm. in. And the fact that we don't know when this is going to end, there's no there's no visible ending. Mm -hmm. Um, You we all have to kind of learn how to process that differently. Right. Um, I, I was just thinking, you know, two weeks from now, it'll be a year. It'll be, it'll be a year. Oh gosh. And, and it's, it's just amazing, but mm-hmm. I don't want to end it for me on a depressing note. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. End it for me on a depressing note. This too shall pass. Let's just say that. Right. There's yep. a season for everything. Mm-hmm. This too shall pass. We just don't know when. It's going to pass. And in the meantime, if you are feeling fatigue, then rest, right? Yep. Get in the boat with Jesus. Yep. It is beyond your control. Mm-hmm. And don't try to relieve yourself of some of that anxiety. Because as I started out saying, anxiety is not good for you. It can mm-hmm. create illness. It can. So, you know, don't don't take on that and um, perhaps don't sleep through it like I try right. to do, <laughs> <laughs> right. but try to find your coping mechanism, you know, mm-hmm. um, whether it's meditation, whether it's using this time to learn, um, you know, engage in podcasts like you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I think what you do as far as putting out podcasts is you're actually saving the, you're saving the world um, because mm-hmm. you give people an outlet um, to listen to, to get outside of their current environment. And mm-hmm. some, that's all we have. You know, what is our escape right now? It's, uh, you know, Zooms, podcasts, right. TV. Yeah. All of those things are really, really helping us mentally because without that type of stimulation, mm-hmm. where, would, where would we be, you know? Right. So I thank you for what you're doing. Um, and, you know, putting out your book and reading, you know, I, I just say, how can we use this pandemic to better ourselves? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I can read your book. I can listen to your <laughs> podcast. I, I, you know, I can better myself during this time. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, you know, we just have to make a choice about how we want to spend this time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how do you think um, your experience with with going through that crisis of faith and just processing things differently now, how do you think that has helped you um, with the clients that you work with now in your business? I, I think it has helped me with the clients that I work with now is to give them a little bit of perspective. Um, because when you are when you are on that in, in it, you mm-hmm. can't necessarily see what is happening and yep. everything seems like a crisis mm-hmm. and everything is not a crisis. So let's kind of take a step back and really get some clarity, mm-hmm. get some clarity around what's important, what's not important. Where are you wasting your time mm-hmm. and where should you invest your time to move your nonprofit, your business or whatever it is forward? Don't mm-hmm. do things don't invest a lot of time in areas that are not going to move what you want to do for. And I think a lot of times that people, um, you know, we get, we're creatures of habit and we will stay busy for the sake of staying busy Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily prioritizing what we're doing. 
-hmm. and asking ourselves, is this going to move my business forward? Is this going to move my nonprofit forward? Is this going to move my purpose forward? And Mm -hmm. so really having some clarity around why are you doing what you're doing? And two, is it going to move you forward? And if it's not going to move you forward, Mm -hmm. then don't waste your time. Mm -hmm. I think that is great advice to end on. I think I think that really is what it comes down to because we do, um, we go through this crisis, we go through these situations that are supposed to be just a season of our life. But if we're not aware of that, we can cling to them. And now all of a sudden we are doing things that aren't pushing us forward. They're, they're either making us go back or they are just keeping us stuck in one place. So I think that is great um, advice to end on. Where can my listeners connect with you and how can they find you if they want to know more about um, your work and just the cool person that you are? Yeah, you know, I don't know if y'all can tell from this podcast, but I love to talk and I and I don't... Um, I'm not shy about sharing my opinions on a lot of things. So you can find me on my website is supportingworldhope.com. That's probably the easiest place because once you're there, you'll see my email. You'll have my cell phone number. You'll have, you know, all the my social media and all those things like that. So if just the one call to action would be go to my website at www.supportingworldhope.com. Perfect. And I will make sure to include that in the show notes too, so that people can just go click on that. Um, I have so enjoyed our time together. I had no idea the uh, the things that we had in common, Sabrina. And this was this was fun. This I think this was the the um, conversation that I needed for Good. today because um, it was it was just exciting to, to hear your story, and not only hear your story, but to hear the passion and excitement in your voice. I think that is rare over the last year to hear people that are excited and passionate. And so I hope that um, that inspires you to keep that up um, because I am I am positive that it is also inspiring my listeners too. Good. That's what life is about, inspiring those around you. So thank you for everything that you do. Oh, thank you so much. And hey, to all of my listeners, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, may you rise up, lead well, and live with intention. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. Before you go, would you mind doing us a favor? We would love to hear your takeaways. So please leave us a review and a comment. You might just hear your name in a future episode when you do. This show is produced by Rayma Team Media, a division of Rayma Team LLC. If you'd like to learn more about how you can work with us, visit raymateam.com. That's www.raymateam.com. All right, our coffee is cold, so we gotta go. See you next week.